Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Allison Insero, Managing Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. Can large self-insured employers negotiate hospital prices in their market? According to a new paper published in the July issue of our journal, they cannot. Dr. Matthew Weisenberg, the lead author and co-authors, used the U.S. Census Bureau County business patterns data from 2010 to 2016 to estimate employer market power within metropolitan statistical areas and used the Truven Health Market Span Commercial Claims Database to estimate mean hospital prices and price ratios at the MSA level. Dr. Eisenberg, an economist and assistant professor in the Department of Health Policy and Management at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, joined Manage Carecast recently to discuss these findings. So welcome, Dr. Eisenberg. Can you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work? Uh, Sure. So my name is uh, Matthew Eisenberg. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Health Policy and Management at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. A lot of my work is focused on uh, private insurance markets and how employers and uh, individuals interact with different health insurance plans. And can you tell us about the objective of the study that was published in the July issue of the American Journal of Managed Care and why you decided to study this issue around employers? Sure. So, you know, we started this this line of work by thinking, all right, well, prices for hospital care have been increasing uh, really fast at an increasing rate. Um, And large employers in the U.S. are generally self-insured, right? So that means that they're the ones that are going to bear financial risk, not the insurance company, right? So if there's a big year where there's a lot of health insurance costs, the employers are going to be on the hook for that. It also means the employers are on the hook for higher premium costs, right? And I think a lot of us rely on the insurance companies to be the negotiator here. We expect the insurance companies to negotiate for low hospital prices. But if the insurance companies don't have a ton of incentives, if they're not the ones who are bearing financial risk, it's not clear that the insurance companies have the right incentives to do so. And in fact, there's been some other research that looks at the prices paid um, at hospitals by people who have the same insurance carrier, but some are in these self-insured plans and some are in these fully insured plans and found that those in the self-insured plans are actually paying higher prices than those in the fully insured plans. So a lot of that got us thinking, and we were thinking about these incentives and the rising cost of hospital care, and we were noticing a lot of big employers were talking about things they could do to perhaps step in and try to negotiate better prices for their enrollees. You know, a big one that was talked about and got a lot of press was Haven, the joint venture between Berkshire Hathaway, JP Morgan, and Amazon that recently dissolved. Um, And uh, a lot of fanfare, but then then, uh, dissolved. And it got us thinking, well, this really depends, the ability for employers to get out and do something really depends on their negotiating power, right? If, and, If we think about the employer decision, well, one thing they could do 
would be to solicit bids from insurers, right? And say, all right, I'm a big employer. All of the insurers, please come to me and show me what prices you've negotiated with the hospitals. And I'm gonna choose the insurer who's negotiated the best prices with the hospitals. But unfortunately, in a lot of markets in the United States, insurers are monopoly or virtual monopoly markets. So you might not have a lot of choices of different insurers. So you're the HR manager, you're working at a firm, you've asked the insurers to bring in different bids, but there's only one insurer. What is left for you to do? Well, you could try to negotiate yourself, right? You could say, hey, I am big employer in little city, right? I'm gonna try to go to the hospital system and say, hey, my employees deserve lower prices. But your ability to do that as an employer is going to depend on your employer market power, right? So it's gonna depend on if we look at all of the employers in a geographic market how many of the enrollees, how many of the of a specific hospital's patients are coming from your firm? And that's what we mean by employer market power. How much oomph does an employer have in theoretical negotiations with the hospital? So all of that thinking motivated this research and left us with, well, one thing we need to know if we're gonna see if firms uh, have scope for this is we need to really quantify employer market power. So that was the first goal of this paper. How much theoretical negotiating power do employers have against hospitals? And then the second was, you know, we don't hear a lot of cases of employers already doing this, but perhaps they are, right? Or the threat of them doing it is lowering hospital prices. So the second main goal of this analysis was to see if employer market power had any statistical relationship with hospital prices. So goal one, what is the employer market power? Goal two, does employer market power have any relationship with hospital prices? And what did you find? Do they have any market power in this area? Yeah, so it conformed to our hypotheses. No, you know, that, <laughs> uh, 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 that's the title of the paper, right? As employers don't have uh, market power to do this. So our, our finding was employers do not have market power almost anywhere in the country. Um, labor markets are way too diffuse. And when we calculate employer market power, we calculate an equivalent of an HHI, a Herfindahl index, a concentration index. In most markets, hospital concentration is about 5,000, right? And employer market power was about 60. So it's 60 versus 5,000. There's really no um, comparison to the average employer market power versus the average hospital power. There were some exceptions. Um, we did find some areas of the country where, hot, where um, there was some level of employer market power. But here's one thing that was really interesting. In those areas with the highest employer market power, the most common em employer was a hospital system. So I'll give you an example. In Rochester, Minnesota, the largest employer controls 30% of the market. They have, of all of the people employed in Rochester, Minnesota, 30% of people work for one firm. It's the Mayo Clinic. I was going to um, say, it must be the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> yeah, so they don't have a ton of incentive to negotiate lower prices. So in some of these areas, we saw hospital systems. We also saw academic uh, medical centers, right? So the university and medical center combination doesn't really have a whole lot of incentive 
to negotiate prices. We also estimated a bunch of uh, statistical models to control for a variety of market characteristics. And we found after we controlled for everything, there was virtually no statistical relationship between employer market power and hospital prices. So even in these areas where you potentially had a lot of power, they weren't really doing it. So could employer purchasing alliances have a role in price nego negotiation? Have they, have there been any successes? It's possible, it's hard. Um, uh, so, you know, there's a few examples we can point to, but they'd really have to consolidate a huge amount of the labor market in order to have enough oomph, right? So that's our very uh, official economics term for negotiating power, oomph. oomph. <laughs> uh, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, if you look at something like Haven, right, but Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and JP Morgan, huge number of employees, but diffuse across the country, right? Or centered in certain areas where they just didn't control enough of the, the labor market. So could purchasing alliances do something? Maybe, but only in certain instances. Right. So one instance where this might be successful is in uh, geographic areas that are relatively contained and relatively smaller. Right. So uh, are you familiar with the Peak Health Alliance in Colorado? I may have heard of that before. I don't remember. Yeah. So so they're this uh, newer purchasing alliance in Summit County, Colorado, which is a resort town, resort county in Colorado, small geographic area, right? And a bunch of the employers came together to negotiate lower prices from the hospital system. Uh, they claim that uh, this lowered premiums, um, it's still really new. So there hasn't been a ton of like peer reviewed evidence to show that this worked, but that might be the type of place where this could work really geographically contained where the employers could come together and really control or have the negotiating heft of a significant share of the labor market. Another place where it might work, and this example also comes from Colorado, though in a separate part of the state, is um, the Colorado Business Group on Health is putting together a purchasing alliance, and their strategy has been to align with uh, public sector employees, right? So this might be someplace where it could work. So what they've been doing is gathering up school districts and other public sector employee groups and saying, if you come along, we'll also bring the private sector along and together we'll have enough negotiating heft to do this. So those are two instances where the conditions might be that it would could work, but unfortunately we haven't seen a ton of areas where it's already working, at least in the sense of lowering prices. There's super um, successful employer groups like the Pacific Business Group on Health, which achieves a lot for their uh, members, but not in this direct contracting role that we're talking about here to really lower hospital prices. Are there any other strategies that might be attractive or work with employers hoping to contain hospital costs? It's tough, right? Because in, there's, they don't have a lot of power here, as we demonstrated in this paper. Um, but employers are the ones with the incentives. Employers are the ones who should really want lower healthcare prices, right? The incentives are aligned for them. So in some areas, they might be able to engage in 
really vigorous negotiations with insurers, like I talked about before, where you solicit bids, but in a lot of areas, that's just not going to be possible. And it's one reason, I think, that a lot of employer groups are increasingly coming out for or looking to government for more regulation of hospital prices here. The employers are saying, we have looked at the variety of different tools available to us, and there's just not a whole lot there. We need the government's help to step in and perhaps some more regulation or something in order to help uh, bring the cost of healthcare down. Because the way the incentives are and the way the structure is, it's gonna be really hard for employers to achieve lower prices. They've already achieved, you know, on the, that's the supply side when we think about um, prices. On the flip side, on the demand side, you know, employers have to reduce costs, have already employed a huge amount of demand side tools like high deductibles and other things and plans to get people to use less. That maybe is squeezed just about everything we can out of the system. Uh, there's not a whole lot left for employers to do on the demand side in terms of cost savings. They're already achieving perhaps as much as they can there. It's really up to the supply side and the tools available to employers are unfortunately really small and really narrow. Are there any other research questions around market power or negotiation you'd like to see probed? I'm thinking for one thing, the whole idea of hospitals having to publish their charge master list, that hasn't seemed to have worked the way it was originally conceived. Yeah, and you know, I think some of us were hopeful of, of that, um, though I'll tell you a, a quick story from when I was in graduate school and I decided I really wanted to do a study on um, physician quality. And I said, oh great, New York State publishes the mortality rates from every surgeon in uh, New York State. I said, great, this will be great data for a dissertation. And then I got the data from New York State and it was all in one giant non-searchable PDF. And I said, okay, so this, this is what transparency means, right? right. So that was an early um, in my career uh, reality check on what transparency can do. But I think, you know, back to the point, a lot of us were hopeful when the Trump administration passed these rules that it might lead to more transparency in the price of hospital care. But as we've seen from the rollout and a lot of the analyses that have come out just in the past few weeks, these tools are not really, uh, hospitals are not really complying with uh, the spirit or the letter in some instances of these regulations. I think in terms of other things I'd like to see investigated here, I think one question that needs a lot more investigation is this, how insurers are separately treating their self-insured and their fully insured populations, right? I spoke to that other study uh, that found some differences in prices there. I think some more work needs to be done to understand. I think we've always assumed that insurers just negotiate on their entire book of business and that's it, right? The, the, to them, self-insured, fully insured, they use it all to get more negotiating power. But if the prices for uh, these different types of enrollees are truly diverging, it means a lot for how we think about competition and how we think about bargaining power in these various markets. I think the other thing that I'm quite interested in, and we just, you know, started to crack the surface here with this paper is the real interplay between the three big players here. I think historically, 
the uh, at least the economics literature has been focused on the bargaining between the hospitals and the insurers, but there's the third player here, it's the employers. And in a case where 65% of Americans with private insurance are self-insured, the employers are actually the real financial stakeholders here. They're the ones that are bearing all of the financial risk. So I think uh, we're starting to see in the in the real world, employers come to the table and want to be a more active participant in this. But I think in the, the academic world and different things we want to see further research on, um, I think we need to see more research on how employers can take a more active role and how employer market power interacts with hospital market power and insurer market power. Is there anything else I forgot to ask or that you want to add? No, not really. I think that this is a really interesting topic. And I think I'm hopeful that there will be solutions for employers that they'll be able to employ. But in the short term, I think it's more likely we're going to see more employers turning to government for help because there's little that they can do. And the government might be the only player that uh, has the half to really make a dent here. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Managed Carecast. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. Take care. Thank you. For all of us at AGMC, thanks for listening. For more about this issue, visit agmc.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at agmc.com or follow us on Twitter at agmc underscore journal. And if you like Managed Carecast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.